Hooves drummed down the street that sloped to the wharfs. The folk that yelled and scattered had only a fleeting glimpse of a mailed figure on a black stallion, a wide scarlet cloak flowing out onto the wind. Far up the street came the shout and clatter of pursuit, but the horseman did not look back. He swept out onto the wharfs and jerked the plunging stallion back on its haunches at the very lip of the pier. Seamen gaped up at him as they stood to the sweep and striped sail of a high-proud, broad-waisted galley. The master, sturdy and black-bearded, stood in the bows, easing her away from the piles with a boat hook. He yelled angrily as the horsemen sprang from the saddle and with a long leap landed squarely on the mid-deck. "'Who invited you aboard?' Get underway, roared the intruder with a fierce gesture that spattered red drops from his broadsword. But we're bound for the coasts of Cush, expostulated the master. Then I'm for Cush. Push off, I tell you. The other cast a quick glance up the street, along which a squad of horsemen were galloping. Far behind them toiled a group of archers, crossbows on their shoulders. Can you pay for your passage? demanded the master. I pay my way with steel roared the man in armor, brandishing the great sword that glittered bluely in the sun. By Crom, man, if you don't get underway, I'll drench this galley in the blood of its crew. The shipmaster was a good judge of men. One glance at the dark, scarred face of the swordsman hardened with passion, and he shouted a quick order, thrusting strongly against the piles. The galley wallowed out into clear water. The oars began to clack rhythmically. Then a puff of wind filled the shimmering sail. The light ship heeled to the gust, then took her course like a swan, gathering headway as she skimmed along. On the wharfs, the riders were shaking their swords and shouting threats and commands that the ship put about, and yelling for the bowmen to hasten before the craft was out of arbalest range. Let them rave, grinned the swordsman heartily. Do you keep her on course, Master Steerman? The master descended from a small deck between the boats, made his way between the rows of oarmen, and mounted the mid-deck. The stranger stood there with his back to the mast, eyes narrowed alertly, sword ready. The shipman eyed him steadily, careful not to make any move toward the long knife in his belt. He saw a tall, powerfully built figure in a black scale mail hauberk, burnished greaves, and a blue steel helmet from which jutted bull's horns, highly polished. From the mailed shoulders fell the scarlet cloak, blowing in the sea wind. A broad shagreen belt with a golden buckle held the scabbard of the broadsword he bore. Under the horned helmet a square-cut black mane contrasted with smoldering blue eyes. "'If we must travel together,' said the master, "'we may as well be at peace with each other. My name is Tito, licensed master shipman of the port of Argos.' I am bound for Cush to trade beads and silks and sugar and brass-hilted swords to the Black Kings for ivory, copra, copper ore, slaves, and pearls. The swordsmen glanced back at the rapidly receding docks, where the figures were still gesticulating helplessly, evidently having trouble in finding a boat swift enough to overhaul the fast-sailing galley. I am Conan, a Sumerian, he answered. I came into Argos seeking employment, but with no wars forward there was nothing which I might turn my hand on. Why do the guardsmen pursue you? asked Tito. Not that it's any business, but I thought perhaps I've nothing to conceal, replied the Sumerian. By Krom, though I've spent considerable time among you civilized peoples, your ways are still beyond my comprehension. Last night in a tavern, a captain in the king's guard offered violence to the sweetheart of a young soldier who naturally ran him through. But it seems there is some cursed law against killing guardsmen, and the boy and his girl fled away. 
It was bruited about that I was seen with them, and so today I was hailed into court, and a judge asked me where the lad had gone. I replied that, as he was a friend of mine, I could not betray him. Then the court waxed wrath, and the judge talked a great deal about my duty to the state, and society and other things I did not understand, and bade me tell where my friend had flown. By this time I was becoming wrathful myself, for I had explained my position. But I choked my ire and held my peace, and the judge squalled that I had shown contempt for the court, and that I should be hurled into a dungeon to rot until I betrayed my friend. So then, seeing they were all mad, I drew my sword and cleft the judge's skull. Then I cut my way out of the court, and seeing the high constable's stallion tied nearby, I rode for the wharfs, where I thought to find a ship bound for foreign parts.